The following is a Westminster Seminary, California morning devotion given by Dr. John Fesco. For more information about this message or about Westminster Seminary, California, visit us online, wscal.edu, or call 888-480-8474. Online, wscal.edu, or call 888-480-8474. Join me, if you would, in a brief word of prayer. Let's pray. Father God, we are grateful for your word and how you feed us with Christ uh, through it. We pray that in this way you would feed us with the manna from heaven as we stop for a few moments out of our busy day to reflect upon your word. Feed us with Christ, uh, satisfy us, and that we would be further equipped uh, to do your will and to perform good works. We pray these things in Christ's name. Amen. You may be seated. Uh, as uh, you may or may not know, on the chapel schedule, uh, I switched day. That's why I'm giving today's uh, chapel devotional uh, instead of doing it earlier in the week on Tuesday. Switched with Professor Horton. And so what I'm hoping to do is to complete my uh, chapel series on the fruit of the Spirit. So if you would, open your Bibles uh, or listen as I read uh, Galatians chapter 5, verses 22 and following. Uh, for the morning or this morning's uh, text. So Galatians chapter 5 verse 22, hear now the word of the Lord. But the fruit of the Spirit is love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, self-control. Against such things there is no law, and those who belong to Christ Jesus have crucified the flesh with its passions and desires. May God add his blessing to this reading from his holy and inspired word. This morning's uh, chapel devotional is on the subject of gentleness, the, the penultimate fruit of the Spirit as we find it there in Paul's famous passage from Galatians chapter 5. And at least for me, maybe this is a small window into the twisted way that I think, when I kept on meditating upon the idea and the question of what is gentleness Uh, the idea of Coco the Gorilla kept on coming to mind. For those of you who don't know, you can Google the images or the YouTube videos. Coco the Gorilla was uh, a very large, you know, four or five hundred pound gorilla that asked uh, her captors, uh, because she learned about a thousand different words in sign language, that she wanted a cat. She wanted a kitten, so they eventually got her a kitten, which uh, Coco named All Ball. And uh, so there are many pictures of Coco the gorilla, this massive brute of a beast holding the smallest of little kittens. And this little kitten, of course, just rested and nuzzled in all balls' arms, I'm sorry, in uh, Coco's arms. And so to me, that just envisions an idea of gentleness. Here you have this massive creature gently holding the smallest and helpless of creatures. But that, of course, doesn't exhaust the subject. Uh, I think the more and more I thought about it, and I suspect that these observations aren't unique to our own day and time, but they have perhaps marked history uh, throughout, is that uh, we live in an age that doesn't, I think, typically embrace or praise gentleness. The idea is, is uh, strike before you are stricken, or do unto others before they do unto you. Or if you uh, receive some sort of blow, whether it be physical or verbal or whatever the case may be, people's immediate reflex seems to be one for revenge. Or at least in the mind of the one who is the victim, 
uh, justice. They want immediate restitution after all, an eye for an eye and a tooth for a tooth. Or perhaps to look at another angle uh, at this question of gentleness uh, is to talk about another Coco. Uh, in this particular case, Coco Chanel, the, the famous French fashion designer, who said, gentleness doesn't get work done unless you happen to be a hen laying eggs. Maybe there's some truth to that, I, I don't know. But if you look at the question of gentleness from perhaps another perspective, uh, it would be that uh, in our culture these days, especially one where men want to be manly men, and the idea, as we might say in my country, we want to promote the idea of machismo, um, tough men don't show weakness. They don't show gentleness. Or perhaps given the sexual climate in which we live, men might be fearful of showing some signs of gentleness because they might be perceived as being something less than manly men. Yet, in complete contrast with a number of these ideas that swirl about our culture, I think we can say that the Bible very clearly includes gentleness as a necessary virtue that all Christians, including men, are supposed to exhibit. Paul clearly says that here in the fruit of the Spirit. So whatever we might think about gentleness, if the Spirit of Christ indwells us, then it most certainly is something that we should manifest. But what precisely is gentleness? And in what ways can we show and manifest this fruit of the Spirit? Well, in the brief time that we have this morning, I, I want first to define and describe biblically what gentleness is. Secondly, briefly remind us of its source. And then thirdly, examine gentleness in action. What does it look like concretely? So first, gentleness defined and described. I think naturally we should want to begin with Christ when we talk about the subject of gentleness. I think we all know of the times when Christ upbraided the Pharisees and vented his holy anger against sinners. For example, there is the, the incident where Christ went into the temple and cleansed it, where he turned over tables and he chased off the money changers. I think we gravitate towards these instances of Christ's rebuke because they perhaps play to our desire for immediate vindication and justice. Uh, and I think in many respects it shows our own proclivities uh, for not wanting to take up the cross of Christ. It is easier as we read those passages of scripture to see ourselves in the place of Christ rather than in the place of the money changers. The one who would chase off the unrighteous rather than the ones who are actually unrighteous in our conduct. But I think looking within the broader context of Christ's ministry, we forget that, yes, Christ did upbraid the Pharisees. Yes, Christ did chase off uh, the money changers, and he cleansed the temple, turning over tables. Yet at the same time, the scriptures present Christ as having another side to him, if not multiple sides. Prophet Isaiah said of the Messiah in Isaiah 42, verse 3, a bruised reed he will not break. And a faintly burning wick he will not quench. He will faithfully bring forth justice. Notice that as the Messiah was to bring forth justice, something that we would perhaps think that would, of course, necessitate perhaps force, 
he's described in the gentlest of terms in doing so. Interestingly enough, Matthew quotes this very passage on the heels of the Pharisees conspiring to kill Jesus. If there was ever a time where we might think that uh, force was warranted or anything less than gentleness would be warranted, it would be on the heels of an assassination plot. And yet here on the heels of this brutal plot to kill Jesus, Matthew responds and he places this very quotation there from the prophet Isaiah talking about Christ's gentleness. And so broadly defined, I think we can contend that gentleness is any act of kindness that we might exhibit towards another person. But yet more especially, I think, it would be in a situation that might easily invite a harsh or forceful response. It's easy to be kind when others are being kind to you. But on the other hand, to give a gentle response when something more forceful might be called for, I think showcases the true arena in where we ourselves are called to exhibit gentleness towards others. All right, so that if that is gentleness described and defined chiefly, of course, as we see it manifest in Christ, we want secondly to remind ourselves of the source of gentleness. We have to recognize the source I want us to remind ourselves that this is not simply a question of being like Jesus. Of course, we should strive to be like Jesus. But on the other hand, it's not just simply a question of imitation. The world can imitate anyone. The world can imitate Jesus, Gandhi, or whomever. But this is not what the Apostle Paul gives us. This is not what the scriptures tell us. It's not simply a question of aping the actions of our Messiah. Rather, we have to recognize that Paul clearly says that gentleness is one of the fruits of the Spirit, which means that its source comes from the Spirit. The source comes from Christ pouring out the Holy Spirit upon the church and especially upon those whom he calls justifies, sanctifies, and glorifies. Christ, through the Spirit, therefore, is our source of gentleness. Human beings, of course, are capable of acts of gentleness, but where is the source? Where is the source? It must be in Christ. And we must recognize that when we do offer those acts of gentleness or kindness uh, to those around us, that no matter how noble it might be, it's always tainted with sin. It's always tainted with sin. Remember, to violate the law at one point is to violate the whole law. So we may be kind and we may be gentle to someone and it may be noble and it may be praiseworthy. But when we carry the albatross of our sin around with us, that act of kindness and gentleness is ultimately tainted, which means that we must first recognize the source of gentleness is in Christ, but we always require the imputed righteousness of Christ to cover the imperfections in whatever acts of gentleness we may exercise towards others. In the words of the Sermon on the Mount, I think we find Christ calling us to be gentle. You have heard that it was said, an eye for an eye and a tooth for a tooth. But I say to you, do not resist the one who is evil. 
But if anyone slaps you on the right cheek, turn to him the other one also. Here I think Christ really gives to us the way of the cross and the road of gentleness. That rather than responding in kind or with force or with anger or with vengeance, we are called to act with gentleness towards all of those around us. And it is Christ through the Spirit who is the source of our gentleness. And it is Christ who covers our acts of gentleness with his imputed righteousness. In broad terms, as John tells us in his first epistle, we are able to love others because Christ has first loved us. So, gentleness defined and described, we've reminded ourselves of the source of gentleness, Christ through the Spirit. But third and lastly, what about gentleness in action? I think our tendency might be naturally to gravitate towards Christ, and we certainly should recognize that Christ was gentle on so many occasions. I think of Christ's interaction with his disciples. How many times he must have shook his head in frustration, at least humanly speaking, saying, what is the matter with these people? Why do they not understand? Why can't they get things? At least that's my read of the text at certain points. That's what I would have been thinking. But I think it's important for us to recognize that the Apostle Paul, in this very immediate context of discussing the fruit of the Spirit, invokes the category of gentleness and he draws his Galatian readers' attention to gentleness in action, concretely in the life of the church. Notice Galatians chapter 6, verse 1, just a few short verses after Paul has described and listed the fruits of the Spirit. He says, Brothers, if anyone is caught in any transgression, you who are spiritual should restore him in a spirit of gentleness. Keep watch on yourself, lest you too be tempted. I think it's not a surprise. It shouldn't be a surprise to us that Paul would invoke this very uh, fruit of the Spirit, this Christian virtue. He uses the very same term here in Galatians 6.1 that he uses in Galatians 5.22. And notice how he characterizes this whole event. Those of you who are spiritual, those of you who are pneumatikoi, he's not saying in Oprah-esque terms, those of you who float on ethereal clouds. I mean, now I'm starting to date myself, and I won't explain how I have this information and how I've come by it, but when Oprah used to say, remember your spirit, that's not what the Apostle Paul is talking about. He's saying, those of you who possess the spirit, and it's not merely an elite few uh, within the church, but rather those of you who possess the fruit of the spirit, this democratized gift that has been given to the entire church because Christ has poured out the spirit upon the church because you have stepped into the age to come. You are living at the dawn of the eschaton. And so for those of you who are spiritual, those of you who have been indwelt by the spirit, this is what you're supposed to be doing. Says anyone caught in any transgression? Perhaps by surprise. I mean, I cannot tell you the utter joy that I find uh, when I find my children doing something that they're not supposed to be doing and they don't know that I'm watching. 
I sometimes walk in, I fold my arms, and I stand there and I wait to see just how long it'll take them to recognize that I'm in the room. And then there comes the shock when they look over their shoulder and there's the jolt. There's the jolt. I love doing that. That's just so much fun to me most of the time, unless, of course, they're destroying one of my possessions. <laughs> then it's usually a loud outburst. But if anyone is caught in any transgression, or it's perhaps unplanned by surprise, if there was ever a time to respond with force, that would be it. Moreover, when Paul says here transgression, he uses the term typical for violations of the Mosaic law. So notice here, I think in the world's eyes, gentleness might be, well, just ignore it. Don't deal with it. It might be embarrassing. Just turn an eye to it. We shouldn't, you know, let's not bring attention to it. No, that's not what Paul says. Gentleness doesn't mean turning a blind eye. It means dealing with it head on, but not necessarily with force, not necessarily with brutality or with anger or with violence. They were supposed to deal with it, but with the great qualifier in a spirit of gentleness. And note the warning, keep watch on yourself lest you too be tempted. To put it in terms of the parable of the wicked servant, I think Paul's overall warning here is to say implicitly, God has been tremendously gentle with you. He has forgiven you of much. Don't turn around and deal harshly, unkindly, or severely or censoriously with those who sin against you. Because it is to forget the grace that you have received in Christ. You know, I remember one time as a pastor counseling a parent who said that they met every infraction uh, of their child with severe punishment. And it was in a public setting, so I felt it was necessary to say it. I stated it as gently as I could, but I said, well, in all honesty, I'm, I'm glad that our Heavenly Father doesn't deal with us that way. And I hope that in our own interactions with our children, when we rebuke them or when we correct them, that we would reflect something of the Father's gentleness that he shows to us, that we would do so in, these, in those interactions with our children. Paul says, with such a person who has been caught in sin, to deal with him gently and to restore such a one. Same Greek term used in the rebuilding of walls. Same Greek term used in the mending of fishnets. Not destroying them. Not ridiculing them. Not embarrassing them. But restoring them in a spirit of gentleness. I think in the end Paul's call to gentleness here rests on the indicatives of the spirit. The fruit of the spirit. But they manifest themselves in the concrete, uh, concrete day in and day out living of the church particularly when we confront sin, whether when we catch it or when we perhaps have someone sin against us. When sinned against, respond kindly and gently. Don't demand justice, but seek restoration. Don't seek vengeance, 
Rather, seek forgiveness. Don't begrudge forgiveness when you have been forgiven of much. Think of God, our Heavenly Father, who comes to meet us not as a judge, but in the person of His Son, the one who has laid down His life for us, one who has given His life for His sheep and is born at the penalty due to us. Mahatma Gandhi is quoted as saying, Gentleness, self-sacrifice, and generosity are the exclusive possession of no one race or religion. Perhaps on a human standpoint, this is true to a certain degree. People can exercise gentleness, but beloved in Christ, I would argue that such expressions are but a faint echo of the real fruit of the Spirit. Gentleness, above all else, should be one of the chief hallmark virtues that we find within the church. So pray, beloved in Christ, that Christ living in you would produce the fruit of his spirit, even gentleness, that the same gentleness that you, would re- that you have received from Christ, uh, from the Father, through Christ and by the Spirit, would be the same gentleness that you share with others, whether they be your peers, whether they be your family, whether they be your children or loved ones, and in such a way that we would bring glory to our triune God as we manifest the fruit of the Spirit. Let's bow together in a brief word of prayer. Father God, help us, we pray. We are so inclined to respond unkindly, to respond looking for justice, to respond looking for vindication. We pray, O Lord, that you would fill our hearts with the spirit of gentleness, the spirit of Christ, that we would seek to restore those who sin against us, that we would seek to rebuild what has been torn down, that we would seek to show the same gentleness and love that you have shown us. We pray and ask all of these things in Christ's name. Amen. You're dismissed. Copyright 2015, Westminster Seminary, California. All rights reserved. You are permitted to reproduce and distribute this material in any format, provided that you do not alter the wording in any way and that you do not charge a fee beyond the cost of reproduction. For web posting, a link to this document on our website is preferred.